Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the JobKeeper scheme, why it's ending, how it affected Aussies, and what will happen next. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa DiGrazia. And welcome back to another episode of Australia Explained. We'd like to start by acknowledging that we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and we pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Now we're entering April and we're starting to get to that point of the year where we're all going to get some memories and flashbacks (laughs) of entering our first COVID lockdown, whether that's, you know, a figurative memory or a a literal one on Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram or something like that. And if we actually take a look at the calendar, one year ago, on March 30th, 2020, the government announced its JobKeeper scheme to help combat some of the impacts of our hard lockdown. Yes, and in that same regard, a year later, on the 28th of March, 2021, the JobKeeper scheme ended for good. And there's a lot of discussion about how this will continue to impact Aussies and whether we have fully overcome the issues of COVID-19. So we're going to chat about what we can expect next in a post-JobKeeper world. And we were both impacted by JobKeeper, so we have a few anecdotes to share from our lives, as well as I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. So let's get into it. Okay, let's recap what JobKeeper is and why it was introduced. So the JobKeeper payment scheme was put in place to support businesses that were heavily impacted by the long, lengthy lockdowns caused by COVID-19. And it all started this time last year that businesses were being forced to shut down and stop trade to minimise the spread of COVID. So naturally, this caused a lot of stress and weariness about the state of many people's financial stability and their livelihoods as employees in non-essential industries were stood down from work during the lockdown. So there was a lot of anxiety about how people would earn money if they couldn't work as well as how businesses would stay afloat if they couldn't earn money from trading. So JobKeeper was introduced to keep people going. And I remember the relief I felt and probably you felt as working in hospitality and retail when this was introduced, thinking that I wasn't going to earn any money for a very, very long time. Mm, I remember I was scrambling. I was asking friends to get me jobs at like supermarkets. I had signed up for tutoring gigs online. I was doing all these different things. And then we heard about the payment scheme and it, it was a big relief. I do remember that. Huge relief. Yeah. Um, Back to the facts. So JobKeeper was an allowance that businesses received to retain their employees and pay them, regardless of whether they were working during the lockdowns or not. So it meant that businesses didn't have to dip into their own funds entirely to pay the workers. Instead, the government provided businesses with this JobKeeper allowance that allowed them to stay alive as their revenues were almost completely halted by the snap lockdowns. And businesses were deemed eligible for JobKeeper if their annual turnover or their profit was less than $1 billion and if they were predicted to lose around 30% of this profit due to COVID-19. If businesses earned over $1 billion turnover, um, they would have to lose 50% of this to be eligible for the scheme. 
And workers were deemed eligible based on the length and type of their employment. So especially for casual employees, uh, you had to be working in that position for 12 months in order to receive your JobKeeper payment. Yeah, and JobKeeper started as a weekly payment of 1500 a fortnight um, per worker before tax. But if your fortnightly salary was higher than 1500 the business would have to chip in the rest. And it was also intended to only run until the end of September 2020. Yeah, and this ended up being extended to the 28th of March 2021, which was only a couple of days ago when we're releasing this pod. However, the eligibility criteria changed from that September date and meant that some businesses could no longer receive the allowance. And this depended on how well they survived and how much revenue they were still able to generate during the first six months of the scheme and the lockdowns. Yeah, the rate also reduced from 1500 to 1200 a fortnight. But if you typically worked less than 20 hours a week, you'd only receive around half of that, 750 The rate lowered again on the 4th of January from 1200 to a grand for standard employees and $600 for those working less than 20 hours per week. And that was the rate right up until three days ago when the scheme ended. Yeah. And look, we're not usually the type to pump up a liberal government. <laughs> um, we usually try to keep our political, our personal political beliefs off this pod, but um, we'll always give credit where it's due. And it's due. And it is due because... million Australians have been on the JobKeeper scheme and Victoria stayed on it the longest, obviously due to the second lockdown that we had to go through. But JobKeeper saved 700,000 jobs and without it, one in five Australians would have lost their jobs due to COVID-19. And it's estimated that in the first half of 2020, unemployment would have doubled if it wasn't for JobKeeper. Now, there were similar schemes brought in um, in New Zealand and the United Kingdom to combat job loss due to COVID-19, but it was a lot less generous than what we were seeing in Australia. So this meant that Australia's response to those lockdowns was very rare and probably one of the best in the world. Yeah, which we are very, very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fascinating to analyse how exactly we spent that money. So... About 1.7 million casual and part-time workers were estimated to be receiving more money than their usual pay. Which was definitely my case. (laughs) I was earning a lot more than I ever was having worked in retail for four years. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would know one of these people and we probably hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But most people did pay for rent, mortgage and household items, these necessities. Um, One in four also paid off debts using the money and 16% added to their savings. 15% bought clothes, um, probably those people that were using it as disposable income. Yeah, I'm getting guilty as charged there. <laughs> you were propping up the economy. It's well, it, there was that moment where I'm like, oh, we're contributing back to the economy and online shopping was so big and mm-hmm. clothes were a thing, home gyms were a thing, hair care, skin care, makeup Feels like a different a world. It does. <laughs> Um, I have very fond memories of lots of packages arriving at my door during the first lockdown. And I was mainly purchasing just clothes to stay at home. So it was a bit of a disposable income for me, but I was in a very fortunate position, of course. Overall, it was an urgent and unique response to the urgent and unique circumstances that we all found ourselves in. And it saved many, many lives. And not only the lives of businesses, but also the lives of many people by ensuring they had the financial stability during difficult times. 
Okay, so how was the JobKeeper policy very different from normal Liberal Party policy? The funny thing is that these policies completely undermine the path set out by the Liberals when they took government in 2013. So they were obsessed with a budget deficit. And we discussed this in our budget episode, which you can look up if you'd like to listen. But basically, they were elected on the platform of ensuring Australia would have no debt. They claimed that the deficit was ruining the economy and ruining the country. Um, This despite having the highest per-person wealth in the entire world and enjoying 26 years of economic growth. (laughs) (laughs) So poor. Um, Our leaders have made a conscious effort to convince Australians that we're poor. Too poor to raise unemployment benefits, too poor to keep out foreign property buyers, Mm. and definitely too poor to let in asylum seekers. Mm. And you know what? We've believed them, or for the most part. Because there has been a rhetoric surrounding public spending that has been tainted with all these bad connotations we hear about we hear about the doll bludger on welfare payments or queue jumpers about refugees who seek benefits. But never mind the, you know, huge subsidies we give to mine miners and the energy industry and as well the million dollar retirees lapping up, you know, their aged pension. We were even too poor to stop our own bushfires. So Australians were shocked to see images of all over social media of volunteer fireys using their own money to buy fuel for their fire trucks, to which we kindly and not so kindly reminded Canberra that providing aid during a natural disaster was quite literally their job. Yeah, and we can never, ever forget those images of the fireys paying for their own fuel because Mm. that was really horrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know what catalyze this sudden change of outlook but scott morrison's decision to operate a functioning government that works for the benefit of the people in some sense has proved that we were never too poor we could have been doing this all along we could have been putting this money into things like unemployment benefits and these stimulus packages the whole time it was a big surprise when the liberals put forward this policy and In a sense, it's kind of ironic that overnight they transformed Australia to save itself. Um, This policy is very much so more aligned with social democracy. So think countries like Sweden and and Norway that make sure that income is distributed across its population um, by having very advanced social welfare systems to support workers. Yeah, that being said... We totally support the JobKeeper policy. It's just definitely worth noting that it doesn't follow the typical Liberal policy um, and it worked so well, so it's definitely something to remember. Yeah, I think it proves that we need to be pragmatic and we need to adapt according to the circumstances, not um, streamlining a policy to fit with party ideals. Set it What have been some of the criticisms and issues with the JobKeeper scheme? So we've highlighted all the benefits, for which there are many, but with everything comes the natural downfall. And one was that a lot of people were unfortunately left out of the scheme. So by May 2020, 90% of all job losses were from people that were ineligible for JobKeeper in JobKeeper businesses. For example, casuals that had been employed for less than 12 months. So if you had just changed jobs prior to COVID on a casual basis, you wouldn't have been eligible, which is really sad considering no one could have predicted what was to come for 12 months before that. You know, how would you know? Yeah. Also, the scheme completely ignored a large group of workers that are being paid off the books, like we, as we like to say. 
by businesses as a way to reduce their taxes or additional costs. So by off the books, we mean workers that are not formally reported as employees and they're often paid cash. So it leads to the question, how can these people receive government JobKeeper payments if the government can't know that they are unlawfully employed? Another point is that household savings ratios increased to 19.8% from 6%. So basically, people were saving a lot more money than usual. Which is a good thing. It can be a good thing, um, but it's also a bad thing in terms of the economy generally, as there was a bit of a hesitation to spend, which was pretty concerning considering we desperately needed to pump that money back into the economy any way that we could. Yeah. Um, JobKeeper also cost around $130,000 per job saved, which is a number that many economists have said is way too high. I mean, the scheme itself cost $101 billion, and possibly if JobKeeper had been tweaked to reach the people who really needed it, for example, um, families that really needed the money compared to people like you or me that are young and don't necessarily need Living it as much. Living at home, have, yeah. are dependents, have a solid um, source of income through parents, things like that, it could have benefited Uh, a lot more Australians in that sense. Yeah, the money could have gone a lot further, but that was also a conscious decision to create the JobKeeper scheme instead of funneling it through Centrelink that um, takes notes of, you know, income and assets and all those things. So, yeah. And speaking about those who needed it, there were also many instances where the money benefited individuals and businesses that maybe didn't need the money as much. So a group called Ownership Matters unpacked how 34 of the top companies on the Australian Stock Exchange recorded higher profits during the JobKeeper scheme than they ever did in the last six months of 2019 before COVID hit. Uh, But they kept receiving the wage allowance, which helped lift their earnings by an average 20%. Uh, It's not a real episode if we don't talk about corporate greed. (laughs) Corruption. Corruption. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to break down what Tanya said, let's clarify that although some businesses were receiving JobKeeper and passing it on to their employees who were at home unable to work, Most were using it to pay their employees that were still working. So it was almost like business as usual, but with taxpayers paying the wage tab. Mm. And employers were also finding ways to get this JobKeeper allowance. Some were using fictitious names to claim JobKeeper payments on behalf of non-existent employees. So, for example, the ATO claimed that some businesses were using the names of prisoners Um, deceased people or people who lived overseas to claim the JobKeeper allowance. And they found that around 6,000 cases uh, were of prisoners' names and details being used as employees, which is obviously very wrong. And because of this, and they picked up on this trend happening, there was an introduction of a review process to overlook JobKeeper applications. And the first criminal conviction for JobKeeper fraud occurred this year in February. A man claimed that he was a sole trader, that he owned his own business, which he didn't. And he was trying to claim $6,000 of ineligible JobKeeper payments despite receiving JobKeeper through his actual workplace as an employee. So we can definitely see how the system was used and abused. Yeah, and I guess people like to talk about welfare fraud. They usually think of individuals, not businesses. Okay, so what will the economy look like looking forward without JobKeeper? 
There are many concerns that some businesses haven't generated enough revenue to stay afloat without JobKeeper, and it could lead to businesses continuing to close down or stand down workers. So the Treasury Secretary, um, Stephen Kennedy, predicts that unemployment rate could rise once the JobKeeper scheme ends, with up to 150,000 job losses potentially at stake. Although he did state that there's a wide band of uncertainty around this. Yeah. And Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has acknowledged that it would be a difficult transition for the Australian economy, but he is confident that we can weather this storm. And he has noted that the scheme had served its purpose, quotes, and that extending it longer could actually lead to some negative outcomes, such as discouraging people to find work altogether or discouraging people to find sustainable work. Um, The government has ensured that the transition policies to support those businesses coming off JobKeeper um, would be introduced, but these have not been outlined as of yet. But keep your eyes peeled because there will definitely be an announcement about this in future. I guess it's one of the nuances of a post-COVID world where COVID is still kind of around, but Mm. it's not really. And at what point do we move on and start, um, take away the life raft of government help and live out on our own? Definitely. For those who may be unemployed, there's still an option for a welfare payment through Centrelink, known as JobSeeker. However, the additional $150 that was included in this scheme as a COVID-19 supplement will also end on March 21. So instead, from April 1st, the base rate of the JobSeeker payment will increase from its original amount by 25 a week. It's yeah. still quite low. Yeah, it's basically a compromise saying we're removing the $150 payment for COVID, but we're going to increase the base rate by $25. Yeah. Take $4 a day. That'll make a huge difference. Yeah. No JobKeeper could mean that the state governments may have to adapt their approaches to any future COVID-19 outbreaks, and we may have to start reconsidering whether SNAP Stage 4 lockdowns can be an effective approach, considering that we don't have that JobKeeper safety net behind people to support um, them as they're not at work. We've already seen SNAP five-day lockdowns in Melbourne, Brisbane, and in Perth, but This response does not seem sustainable in the long term and it raises a lot of questions as to what will happen if an extended lockdown, I'll knock on wood, um, is needed to be introduced again. Finds a piece of wood to knock on. Oh, any piece of wood. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, We might also need to rethink border closures as domestic travel is currently fueling a large part of our economy. And whilst the tourism industry lobbied very hard for JobKeeper to be extended until international travel is resumed. Um, the travel industry relied heavily on JobKeeper. Yeah, Qantas was actually the number one receiver of JobKeeper benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, the government decided to introduce a $1.2 billion tourism and aviation package that promoted domestic travel with dirt cheap flights. Qantas announced that it will use its share of that package to keep on paying its workers, who usually work on international routes, $500 a week. Yeah, so they're using that package, what they're receiving from that $1.2 billion package, to sort of still give their employees a JobKeeper payment, but it's not actually a JobKeeper payment, but they're still going to try and employ those workers who typically do the international flights um, so that they can still receive some sort of wage. And now it's time for our recommendations if you're wanting to learn more about the issue. Vanessa, what have you got for us today? So I've recommended this before, but it was a while ago, and I'm going to recommend it again because it's so great. It's a 
piece from the quarterly essay, which they release for publications a year on Aussie issues. It's a really, really good one to subscribe to. It's called Dead Right, and it's all about how Australia's economic spending has changed in maybe the past 30 years and how our policy approach has changed. You know, we talked in the start of the episode how JobKeeper wasn't a typical liberal policy, um, and it just really isn't a typical modern Australian policy. And this um, piece just talks about how that policy has changed over time. And, yeah, it's a really good read. Yeah, I definitely back that one. I'm ranking, I'm recommending a link to the Australian Bureau of Statistics results on a survey that they conducted about the household impacts of COVID-19. They interviewed a lot of families and um, people about their finances whether their finances had improved during COVID-19 and what they're expecting to do with their savings if they manage to save. So it's really interesting to look at what people are expecting to do. Some people have no plans with that money and they still want to save it, which lends to that issue of we need to reboost the economy, but how can we do that if people aren't spending money? But also a lot of people want to do things like renovate their houses, which was a popular trend. So that's just interesting one to look at. COVID is so odd in that some people have amassed huge amounts of savings and then some people have come so far behind, Mm. um, which is really sad. Yeah. But that's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think. We're interested to hear your thoughts as we're sure that that JobKeeper impacted a lot of people. Yes, and a reminder, if you do not follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or whatever podcast platform you use, please follow us. It's a really great way to support us. Also, please leave a review if you like it. I'm sure you do. We're pretty good. (laughs) 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 And if you don't already, um, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All of the info we talked about today is in the show notes for you to check out as always. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.